Welcome to the University of Missouri Extension's Truth or Trend podcast, where we do the research so you don't have to. There are so many health trends out there, it can be overwhelming to decide if it's actually true or if it's just a trend. MU Extension nutrition and health specialists and other health field specialists are passionate about helping Missourians make the healthy decision the easy decision. Let's get into it. Welcome everyone to the Truth or Trend podcast. Today I have Dr. Kale Monk and he is an associate professor in the Department of Human Development and Family Science. He's also a state specialist for MU Extension and his research focuses on intimate relationships and well-being. So this episode is coming out in February, which will be really appropriate for Valentine's Day. Kale, how did you get into the that area of research of intimate relationship? Sure. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. So you're asking me to go back pretty far. Um, <laughs> would have been over a decade ago when I was feeling like I wanted to be a therapist. And so I initially got into um, wanting to work with adolescents. And I did a few internships doing counseling or group therapy with adolescents. And at the same time, my um, clinical supervisors were also having me see couples. And I just really got excited about observing people in their relationships and how their relationships impacted their health. So I initially got in thinking, I want to treat things like anxiety and depression. And I largely still did that, but I recognized that it was oftentimes really tightly or intertwined with relationships. So our relationships can make us anxious, um, they can make us depressed, and vice versa. And so I knew that at that point, after I got my master's in couple and family therapy, that I wanted to go on and focus more on the re research on relationship science. And so I pursued my PhD at the University of Illinois after that. And um, that's sort of how I got into being excited about relationships and how do they influence mm -hmm. the trajectories of our lives. Yeah, it's interesting to me because, you know, we all are in relationships at some point in our life and whether that's just relationships with our families or intimate relationships, thinking about, you know, the research behind that is just something that, you know, we don't normally think about because it's just a natural part of our lives. So I think this is going to be really interesting. My first question is, why are these close relationships important? Well, I think that you just really highlighted the fact that we're none of us are really in isolation. We don't develop in a vacuum. We develop in a social context, and um, we're highly influenced by people around us, right? That our beliefs, our behaviors mm -hmm. um, are tightly intertwined, to use that word again, with um, people in our environment. And so that's something that's really important to consider. And it's important to also note that relationships aren't just important in the sentimental sense. Like I, when I give workshops or have conversations with people um, or teach my students, I often ask people like, what is the most important thing in your life? What would you identify as like the number one thing that you live for, the thing that gives you purpose? And I would say more than nine times out of 10, it's something to do with relationships, mm -hmm. like a family member, children, usually a romantic partner. Um, but even people who think that it's not that, so I've actually had somebody say, well, my career is the most important. 
And then we got to talking about that. And the reason why their career was so important is because they felt like it made other people respect them and it made their parents proud of them. And I was like, that's relationships. So I might even argue that 10 out of 10, it's going to be a relationship. (laughs) Um, So there's that sentimental sense. And there's some hospice care nurses often talk about how when people are on their deathbed, they're often talking about life regrets or things they had wished they had done more of. And it's usually something to do with relationships. So we have that piece where we recognize my family, my friends, they're really important to me. But there's also this like really direct health impact of our relationships. And so the research really illustrates this really well. So there's uh, several popular meta-analyses. These are basically compilation of a bunch of different studies. And they found that social relationships have an equal to or stronger effect on our mortality and our longevity. So how long we live equal to or stronger than Um, Other widely accepted public health determinants like smoking cigarettes, physical activity, environmental pollution. And so in a lot of these studies, we find that people who are more socially isolated or it's even stronger if they report feeling lonely, um, they're two to three times more likely to die prematurely, which is a pretty strong effect and can be pretty scary, right? Um, so we have that piece. And then you're not going to bring a professor onto the podcast and they're not going to talk about several <laughs> studies. So all and this sort of goes back to the first question you asked me about, like, wh- why do I do this work? And I, I still distinctly remember sitting in one of the, it was actually a couple therapy class. And I learned about how relationships impact our health. And they actually talked about one of the studies or all, almost all of the studies that I'm going to talk about, but just to highlight a few really cool studies that I think will get people excited. They had brought individuals into a, essentially a hotel and had them quarantine and they exposed them to a virus that can cause the common cold. And Uh, They found that people who had more social connections or people who were assigned to make phone calls with like people they loved, they were less likely to develop the virus, the cold virus um, than those individuals who felt more socially isolated, which is pretty fascinating. Yeah. Um, And then similarly, the study that sort of swayed me over from doing what I was doing previously to wanting to focus more on couples and relationships was that there was a group of researchers who actually brought individuals into a lab and they administered a very small lesion. Sometimes when I tell people this, they're like, what are people doing? (laughs) But essentially they did sort of cut them. And so it was a little abrasion. Maybe I should use that word. And they followed them over time and they found that those in um, more distressed marriages healed 60% more slowly than those in non-distressed relationships. And so again, we think about relationships as influencing our mental health, but it can also affect our immune system, the way that we function in that regard. And it also shows that it's not just quantity of relationships, that it's quality as well, right? And so our partners can have a negative impact on our well-being, our family and our friends, but they can also have a really robust positive effect um, on our relationships. And sort of the last study that I'll share is that they were looking at, um, they were follow, following cardiac patients over time, and they found that those who had had a serious cardiac event, like a heart attack, 
they followed them over the course of the study, and those who um, reported more distressing relationships were more likely to be deceased at the end of that 48-month study. Um, so again, these just sort of highlight the sort of robust effects that our relationships can have on our health, not just indirectly and not just on our mental health, even though that alone would be enough to show the importance of our relationships. But it can also have a direct effect on our physical well-being as well, which people often don't think about. So this kind of got me thinking about, you know, when we were all quarantining and uh, do you have have you read research on how COVID has impacted relationships or uh, because, you know, whether you were, you know, in a relationship and living together, you were together a lot more than you're mm -hmm. used to. And then on the other yep. side, if you weren't in a relationship, you were isolated from socializing. So have you seen any research on that? Oh, yes, there's been a lot of research. And um, some of that has come out of my lab where we've uh, studied couples across the early phases of the pandemic. And largely, we found that there's sort of sometimes people will say that it's or make it sound like it was universally good for all couples, or it was universally bad, when in reality, we saw some varying trajectories where People who went into the pandemic with existing concerns about their relationships, maybe they didn't handle conflict well, maybe they were just sort of in the relationship out of convenience. Mm -hmm. um, those individuals tended to do the same um, yeah. across the pandemic or uh, uh, function in a worse way that actually made their relationship feel more stagnant or conflictual, feel unstable. Um, whereas those who felt like they already had a pretty close bond, they felt like the pandemic maybe made them stronger. And we found that one of the re really robust deciding factors that um, in at least the qualitative data was that the attributions where the people place their blame for being locked in and maybe feeling stress if people attributed that to the pandemic, this external problem outside of our relationship, they tended to do better than this would be so much easier if my partner was just less rude yeah. to me or yeah. they blamed their partner. And so we saw that those who functioned in a way during the pandemic that they felt like their relationship was stronger, it was those individuals, those couples who were reporting that it's us against COVID or yeah, we beat this, right? So sort of this team mentality yeah. is really, really critical. But in other research, there was, of course, lots of talk about loneliness during the pandemic and, mm -hmm. and really sort of this distinction between social isolation and loneliness, because you can be surrounded by people and still feel lonely. And similarly, when we're quarantining, we can be quarantining alone, but still feel connected to our family and friends, be that through technology mm -hmm. or um, maybe quarantining for a period of time and then getting together. Um, so we, as relationship scientists, we were sort of trying to shift the way that even people were talking about it in the public health sphere, because they were talking about physical distancing and it's not necessarily that, right? Or no, excuse me, they called it social distancing. And we yeah. were advocating for like physical distancing because we're not wanting to cut off our relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, we're just wanting to do that in a safe way. Yeah. And we do have a lot of outlets to socialize now uh, with, you know, social media and our phones. I kind of focus more on like families. And I, I do know that the pandemic 
brought a lot of families back home and together and, you know, eating at the table again and life just kind of slowed down. And I think a lot of families appreciated those relationships with their kids again. And I just hope that some of them stuck with that. And now that we're back to normal, they haven't gone back to just being crazy busy, but you know, that happened. Yeah. And that sort of ties back to what I was mentioning, where not everybody had the same experience. Like there was a metaphor of we're all in the same storm, but maybe not in the same boat. Um, Because obviously there are some people who I talked to my mom, for example, and she was like, oh, I just love it. I get to be home and interact with your dad. And I'm at home with a toddler. My yeah. spouse and I are arguing because we're like, who gets to be on this Wi-Fi call where we need Wi-Fi? Who gets to be on this Zoom yeah. important meeting for work because our bandwidth isn't great. And this new child is screaming and like it was not fun for us. Um, and so there are certainly people who maybe have a bunch of resources, either social capital, they have family and friends they can rely on, or maybe they they have more financial means because obviously at the same right. time as the pandemic, we were experiencing a lot of economic uncertainty. Mm-hmm. People were living on less than paycheck to paycheck. And so there was certainly people who were not having a great experience and they were doing what they just needed to do to get by. And similarly, there, maybe they had an essential worker in the family. And so they had to be at work all the time and it was stress when they would get home. Um, I have friends who are medical doctors and they talked about having to change in a different room and then clean off And then they could be with their family after like a short quarantine period. And so it can be really tricky in that regard too. Yeah. Well, I hope we didn't lose any listeners because I know talking about COVID is not, (laughs) not everyone's favorite topic anymore. So uh, we'll kind of of start done talking about it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll kind of switch gears here and uh, talk about how we can strengthen the relationships in our lives. Sure. So, um, there's obviously a lot that we could talk about here. Um, my colleague and I literally wrote a whole long book with a bunch of strategies that people use to maintain their relationships. We refer to it as relationship maintenance, but for the sake of time, and so we don't lose any more listeners by making them bored, <laughs> I'll just go sort of highlight some of my favorite things. And first of all, when we talk about relationship maintenance, Um, We're talking about ways that we can sustain, so keep our relationships going, or maybe repair our relationships, or even grow our relationships Mm -hmm. to develop and build stronger, more robust intimacy. And just like when you think of maintenance of like a car, for example, we shouldn't just be focusing on how do I maintain this vehicle when the check engine light comes on, right? So we need to engage in some type of preventative relationship maintenance throughout our relationship. And it isn't just these big grand gestures that maybe we do on our anniversary or Valentine's Mm -hmm. Day, that it's more about the mundane day-to-day activities. And so again, similar, like with a car, you would be checking the oil. Is it fresh? Um, Are the tires rotated? Um, Do the brakes work? 
And similarly with a relationship, we want to have these check-ins with our partners or even seeking therapy, even when it doesn't feel like there's an issue, just there's always ways that we could be um, furthering our connection with our partner and our family members and friends, right? So thinking about it in that way can be really helpful. But one of the biggest predictors, at least in romantic relationships, and I think we can think about this in all sorts of relationships too, even with coworkers, is how people respond to what psychologists refer to as bids for connection. So John Gottman is a really famous relationship scientist, couple therapist. And when they talk about bids for connection, they're really talking about those mundane, everyday things that individuals will do to try to make connections with people. And so it could be something as frivolous or um, as something like, oh, look at that bird out the window. And then a partner can respond to that in a number of different ways. And they found that how individuals respond to these bids for connection is a really important predictor of whether or not their relationship is going to be satisfying and if it's going to last. And so there are essentially three responses that they identified when they monitored couples. And one they referred to as turning against. This is sort of the most negative. And so in that example of a bird, it would be like, oh, why are you always looking at birds? That's so stupid. It really like shuts down the conversation Mm -hmm. and can be hurtful, right? And then there's more of a neutral response, which is sort of ignoring it or quickly moving on. That's turning against, then this is turning away, where you might say, oh, that's nice. Uh, Look what I saw in the newspaper, right? And so you're sort of Mm -hmm. changing the subject. The best response that happy couples do at least 86% of the time is what we refer to as turning toward. And so this is like engaging, facilitating that conversation. My partner's excited about this thing. I may not be, but it's an opportunity to facilitate a conversation. They're bringing this up to me for some reason. Let's use it as an excuse to connect, right? And so one personal example that I always give that my wife hates me sharing, but she's (laughs) given me permission to share, is that she is a really big fan of the Kansas City Royals. And those of you who know me, like, I don't know anything really about any sport, let alone baseball. And so at one point, I think it was like 2015 or 2016, they were going to the World Series. And my wife was obviously very excited about that. She's been a Royals fan her whole life. And she brought up to me, oh, the Royals are going to the World Series. And I remember saying, oh, okay, what do you want me to make for dinner? And I could immediately see her facial expression like drop. And I knew that I had responded in the wrong way. Yeah. (laughs) And so it could have been worse, right? I could have said, oh, all you want to do is talk about the freaking Royals, which maybe that's what I wanted to say. (laughs) But instead, what I should have done is like, oh, who's your favorite player? Um, What does that mean? Tell me, I don't know much about baseball. Tell me about why are you so excited? What's, What's the most exciting thing about this for you? That's just an opportunity to learn more about our partners and to show them that we're interested in them and we're taking interest in their interests as well, which I think can be really beneficial. And then- Yeah, and that's hard because, you know, I'm just thinking about myself and, you know, my husband, the day-to-day stuff, Mm -hmm. he'll talk about his job and all the machines he's been working on and something broke down and I try really hard to focus on what he's (laughs) saying Yeah, when I have absolutely no idea what he's talking about. But I, you Uh know, as- you know, as we've been together for a while, I can kind of pick up on things that he said before and mm-hmm. remember it and try to ask questions about it. And, yeah. uh, but yeah, he knows that I don't 
know much about it, yeah. but I still do my best mm-hmm. to engage and not just like yeah. ignore it and change the subject. <laughs> yeah. And that's the beauty of it is you don't have to be an expert in what they're talking about. You're I'm sure he recognizes that you're at least showing an interest, right? And so it's obviously easier when we have a lot of common interests and things Mm -hmm. in common because we're both excited about talking about it. But it's sort of similar where I'm really into like Marvel movies. I'm one of those people who never grew up. And so I want (laughs) to talk about X-Men or whatever and my wife's eyes glaze over. But sometimes (laughs) she will try, right? And so there are times where you mentioned it that maybe we're really busy or maybe we're just we can't handle another conversation about the X-Men. And so it's not that we have to do these all the time. Like I said, there's been times where I miss a bid for connection or maybe I respond in the wrong way. And it's important to sort of announce our filters or announce where we're coming from. You know, I've had a really rough day at work today. Can we talk about this later? I just want to enjoy dinner with you or right? Because the conversation may not be a happy one. It may be, we need to talk about our finances. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't have the emotional capacity right now. Let's talk about that at seven o'clock. I'm not avoiding it. I'm setting a specific time, but right now I just want to enjoy this glass of wine with you and talk about something more fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But another exciting one, I guess that this is pun intended because it's doing exciting and fun things with your partner, like novel activities. And so I'm going to talk about one more study, but this one's, I think, literally fun because they brought couples into a lab and they essentially, there's been a lot of variations in how people did this experiment. But in one, they tied couples together, like tied their arms together and tied their legs together. They had them crawl around on all fours. So it's as ridiculous as it sounds. And they push sort of this styrofoam cylinder across like this. I, I picture like an obstacle course. And those people who engage this in this fun activity where they were laughing and having a, a good time with their partner, they reported more relationship quality or higher relationship quality after that experiment than a group of people who just sort of did a mundane exercise with a partner. And so maybe having date nights that are active and fun. And it definitely doesn't have to break the bank, right? Like you can do Mm -hmm. things that are silly for cheap or no money. Um, And so engaging in those sorts of things are important because we often attribute that. So we attribute the cause of our excitement and our joy to the person we're doing those things with. And so that could be like my friends who um, are in extension, who do nutrition and exercise, that could be working out with a friend or working out with a romantic partner sort of those endorphins that we get can then be attributed to our relationships. And we're also getting that accountability of working out with someone, right? And so there are lots of different benefits in that regard. But we found that when we attribute that exciting feeling to our partners, that arousal response that we get from doing a fun activity, that can really help us perceive our relationships as being more exciting as well. Um, So I think that's a really important one as well. And then, of course, this has almost become cliche where just something as simple as expressing gratitude or showing our appreciation for someone. And I always hesitate bringing this one up because I don't want it to come across in like that toxic positivity way where it can also be like rote advice or a platitude, whether it's like, oh, just be grateful Mm -hmm. And like, that's the last thing you want to hear when you're stressed out, right? Right. So we need to have other things in our toolkit besides just expressing gratitude for our partner, especially when we're in a heated conflict. That's probably the last thing that you want to bring Mm -hmm. up. So I can definitely talk about what to do in conflict too, but we do need to give credit where credit is due in terms of 
when our partner has done something that we appreciate or our friends or our family members. And so when people feel like they're appreciated, they feel better in the relationship, but it also directly benefits us because they're more willing or more likely to do the thing that you're grateful for. So it's like positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's sort of a selfish motive to it as well, but also like just making people feel valued. And you, I, I recognize that nice thing that you did for me. Thank you so much. Um, and it makes them feel good. And then it, there's a lot more reciprocity in the relationship. Yeah. So research it's has a, found that, that it's a small thing, but it can have big changes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I read an article that you wrote and you talked a little bit about social media and how that affects relationships. So can you share that with us? Sure. So first of all, when people talk about social media, I've been noticing that it can often get a really bad rap. Um, and so, and of course that can be true, right? So there's, they've, uh, scientists have actually created a term called technoference where technology can actually interfere with our relationships. There's a specific, another term that sounds ridiculous, but scientists actually use it called fubbing, which is like snubbing your partner with your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've actually done research and They've compared people who are having conversations with friends or a romantic partner. And one of the groups just has their cell phone on the table in front of them. Maybe they're not even using it, Mm -hmm. um, but it's out in front of them. And they found that those conflicts tend to be more heated, escalate more quickly just by having your phone out because people might be tempted to like pick it up and say, oh yeah, well, I'm going to show you that Mm -hmm. I'm right. And they'll look something up or maybe they... use it to ignore their partner. It's like, are you even listening to me? And so of course that can be negative for our relationships, but there's also can be definitely a benefit to technology, right? We can stay connected to family and friends when we're a long distance or maybe for a long distance relationship, Mm -hmm. we can use FaceTime. We saw it during COVID that um, when people were quarantined, that they can um, still maintain contact with family members. And so it can be really beneficial, but I think it sort of becomes problematic when we expect people to constantly stay connected and we're trying to stay connected with multiple people. And then we sort of lose sight of those intimate ties that are in our proximity. And so one thing that I, I think it was a student who actually introduced me to the idea, and I love it, and I talk about it in my classes is that you might, if you're at a restaurant and you haven't seen your friends in a while, you might put your phones in a basket or something off to the side and they actually kind of turn it into a game and the first person to pick up their phone, obviously if there's an emergency or something, I would assume right. that you give the person grace, but the first person to like go for their phone or pick it up has to buy the meal. Yeah, I that was kind I've of heard fun. of that before. Yeah, and so just this opportunity to stay present and stay connected while still recognizing that our cell phones can provide a positive value, right? Like I use the example of if there's an emergency. And so in that regard, it can be really beneficial, but it can also be beneficial when we use it to express pride in our partners. So sometimes people present an image that isn't accurate on like Facebook Mm -hmm. or Instagram. And we're usually just posting joyous occasions, right? It's very rare that we'd post, oh, this is a picture of me failing, right? And so usually- or posting their themselves literally in the best lighting, the best mm-hmm. light. Yep. Um, and the you're picking up the best photo of yourself. And so that can sort of make other people feel insecure. And there can be jealousy, a lot of social media monitoring to see is your partner commenting on this person who I don't mm-hmm. like, and I'm worried about them being in a relationship. 
So it can sort of inspire some of these negative thoughts and feelings and contribute to some mental health concerns. But being able to say like publicly, I'm in a relationship and being able to say, I'm really proud of my partner for doing this. That's just another avenue that we can express gratitude and show our partners that we appreciate them. But like I said, that there's definitely some downsides and we need to think about what is our motivation for doing that? Is it more to make our partner feel appreciated and say, I'm so proud of you to a group of people? Or is it to make other people think that our relationship is better than it is? Yeah. And I think the hardest part is just being aware of it because I think it's really easy to get sucked into your phone and, you know, when it's just a weeknight and two hours later, you realize you haven't had any interaction with your family. And so, um, just being aware of it and then not being defensive if someone calls you out on it. <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly. kind of something that we struggle with in our house is like, you're on your phone all the time. Well, you're on your phone all the time too. And it just back and forth. Yeah. And so we're just very conscious of it. And, you know, when you have toddlers as well, yeah. there's a lot of stress around technology time. And you so screen time. Yep. Yes. And so we try, you know, we're like, well, if we tell her she can only be on her tablet for 30 minutes, then we need to only be on our phones (laughs) long too. So it's very very hard and you just have to really be aware of it and have that open communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a constant struggle. And one thing that I found beneficial, at least I have an iPhone and I'm sure other phones do this too, but you can um, monitor how much screen time you're Mm -hmm. using. And I actually get notifications that like, your screen time is up by 30 minutes or an hour this week. And I'm like, okay, I need to scale it back, right? Yeah. And usually it's not me perusing social media. It's me checking my email and Mm -hmm. responding to students or people out in the field. And so I'm recognizing that they're just like you would set time aside to meet with the dean or your supervisor. You should set time aside for your family as well. Because like we've had in this whole conversation, our close relationships are, are the most important things in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You have shared a lot of great information. That's definitely relatable, but what's one thing that you would want listeners to take away from this episode? Yeah. So I think the main thing would be focusing on establishing and creating those close connections. Like just in, and I don't want this to seem patronizing because again, it it's something that seems obvious to us. And to me, I'm talking about this all the time, but I'm probably going to respond to some emails tonight and fub ignore my partner. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so life happens, but just constantly reminding ourselves, okay, I need to engage in some relationship maintenance, or I haven't done something nice in a while. And so instead of just getting our partner flowers, when we do something wrong, Mm -hmm. when we're in the doghouse, how do we make this an everyday thing? Um, How do we have a regular check-in? Maybe we actually schedule that. Um, I've worked with couples that have decided for the 30 minutes after work, we're going to sit down and have our favorite beverage and talk about our day. And we're going to check in and have what we referred to as like a couple conference where we see how things are going. What could we be doing better? Planning more of those date nights, again, doesn't have to be a date, an expensive date. It can just be us spending some time alone together and doing something fun. So just thinking about that and keeping that in the back of your mind. But one other thing that I want to mention that often gets brought up when I'm 
talking about why relationships is, are important is people will often ask, well, how are they so important? How do they actually impact our physical health? And of course, there are some uh, things that we often think of like, okay, if we're married and sharing finances, then that gives us better access to healthcare. And that's sort of obvious. Or social support when we're stressed, um, that can reduce our stress, which can reduce the inflammation in our body. But some things that we may not think of, I sort of brought up the example with like exercise and fitness is that our partners can remind us to take our pills. So there's like adherence to that medical regimen that our doctors give us, or you know what, that mole on your back looks kind of funny. You should go get that checked out. And those are sort of the things that contribute to us living longer. If we have someone close in our lives, it doesn't have to be a romantic partner, but maybe I've heard of adult children reminding their parents, their older parents, take your pills. Did you take your pills today? Uh, but one other thing is that we tend to engage in similar behaviors as our partner. And so like, if I'm trying to eat more vegetables, but my wife's like, I really want pizza tonight. I'm like, oh, that does sound really good. But I'm probably <laughs> going to eat pizza, right? And similarly, an example I also tend to share is that my dad had uh, stopped smoking for like six months and I was really proud of him. And I went back home one time and he had started smoking again. And I was like, dad, why are you smoking again? You were doing so well. And he said that it was really hard to go out in the garage and see my mom smoking or she would come in and he would smell it on her clothes. So he went back to smoking again. So research consistently shows that our health goals are less successful if our partners or our friends around us don't adhere to similar health goals. So I think that that's something important to keep in mind that could be a takeaway from this conversation as well. Mm -hmm. Are there any resources that you know people could easily access from what we've talked about today, like what's your favorite like go-to resource online for uh, couples or anyone? Sure. So we have been developing a web application that will one day hopefully be able to tailor relationship advice people receive. And so it's called Relevate. So you can go to myrelevate.com to find that information. But if some people like to read, and so one or a series of books by Dr. John Gottman, it those can emphasize some of the things that I talk about. So just about any of the popular press books by John Gottman can be really helpful for relationships. But also uh, at MU, we have Show Me Healthy Relationships, which right now is um, those classes are more geared towards singles, people who are thinking about um, one day starting a relationship, what are some tools that I need to prepare for that? But MU Extension more broadly has some relationship education classes, um, as well as not just romantic relationships, but family. How can we um, think about conflict resolution to not only improve our personal relationships, but maybe our work relationships too? Like I mentioned before, things like turning toward can be helpful in the workplace too. How do I show an interest to my colleagues? my coworkers. And so looking out for those sorts of classes, like building strong families can be um, beneficial as well. Yeah. And I can share those links in the notes for the podcast. Perfect. Um, is there anything else you want to add before we hop off here? I don't think so, except if you find yourself struggling with relationships, and obviously we talked about 
um, concerns in relationships. And so I'd be remiss not to mention that if somebody's not feeling safe in their relationship to have a conversation, that it's definitely important to seek out resources from reliable professionals, but not just when relationships are of concern, like I mentioned before with preventative maintenance, seek out therapy. I, I just think everybody should because it can help us become the best versions of ourselves, yeah. even when things are going well. And so I'll just mention, find a therapist in your area. I often use therapist locators online, like Psychology Today has one. So I'll share that with you as well to share in the notes. Yeah. I really liked your comparison to, you know, we keep maintenance up on our vehicles and things in our house and how we really need to be more proactive and maintaining our relationships and not, you know, less damage control, more preventative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was a great topic to talk about, especially this time of the year. So Uh, maybe we'll have you back sometime. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Truth or Trend podcast by the University of Missouri Extension. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more, please refer to the show notes to see our list of resources. We've also provided a fact check where we correct statements we may have made or provided additional facts on things we missed. Don't forget to leave us a comment for future episode ideas.